HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses and Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. About music with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Watch it. 
Oh man, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. The other half, Greg Bresnitz, is upstate at some wedding. He texted me very early in the day with the very amazing, I'm drunk. <laughs> uh, we have wine guy, Justin Cherno. Hey, what's up? Uh, who I think was also at a wedding with Greg a few uh, a while I'm back. Still kind of drunk from it than last kind of year. Drunk from it. Um, Justin is filling in his co-host. Congratulations on Four Horsemen. Thank you. Opening, I think, since the last time we had you on. That would be, yeah, that's right. And we'll have you all you guys in. How's the restaurant going? Restaurant's going great. It's you know, we made it. We're still open. We haven't burned it down. It's been three and a half months, I guess. Um, and people seem to be coming and you know drinking a lot of wine and it's been great. Awesome. I love it there. Thank you. Um, we love having you. Yeah, that potato <laughs> dish. Come on. Thrice fried, right? Thrice fried. Thrice fried. Four, four times would be illegal. We just keep frying it until somebody orders it. Um, <laughs> they're just constantly frying. Uh, we have a very awesome and packed all-food show today. Uh, we, uh, Daniel Willis from Clove Club. Daniel, what was that first song that you played for us? Uh, that was Brothers on the Slide by San Mandy. Nice. Super on the slide. Super on the slide, yeah. They are, yeah, they were a group of kind of um, immigrants, uh, really, I suppose what you call them, but all different types of um, uh, African uh, orientation from Ghana, and they all sort of settled in London and, yeah, created around sort of three albums of um, amazing kind of um, African kind of funk, but while all being in London. Amazing. The great melting pot of London. Exactly. Um, first up, though, we have uh, Cal Bergen and Mads Ruffland. Uh Cal from the North Festival and Mads from Acme. Boys, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, to say that Nordic cuisine has become popular in the last five years would be a bit of an understatement. Um, what do you think makes... Nordic cuisine so popular and why did it become popular at the time it did? Well, I mean, I think Nordic cuisine was a great representative of a lot of stuff that was happening across the globe at right. the same time. Um, the same kind of movement that was happening with Matt and the other guys back in the Nordic region was happening here in the States. It was happening in Australia. It was happening in... It was coming up in France. Uh, but... The Nordic cuisine had 
you know, became the steam engine, so to speak, for it. It had some great representatives, um, obviously, with Rene being s- such a huge profile. And so I think a lot of the things that were happening across the globe were kind of translated by the Nordic cuisine, and thereby it became the steam engine for for locavore, uh, slow food, and a lot of these movements that are really interesting. At what point do you start to realize that something's happening? Especially being at a place like Noma, when, which became the epicenter for all this, do you start to go, all right, we've sort of been cooking and we're doing well, but you start to feel this, this, this sea change? I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know what, when it was, but from the beginning we just knew it was something special. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, just feed that all the time and just keep on doing it. And one day, if you believe in yourself, I think everything will be a success. I don't know what, when and what was happening in a way, but we just did it. I mean, I feel like especially at a, a restaurant like that, you sort of, I don't want to say put your head down, but you just keep going into work, turning out great food, and then one day you pick your head up and you go, we've done something different and special. But the, I don't think we were thinking about we have to do something different. I, I just think we were... We were proud of who we was, uh, who we were, and where we was in, in that time of life, and we were just cooking with what what we had in the backyard, and it just became a success. Now, is it one of those things where people and people who've been cooking Nordic food, it's just what they did, and then everyone else sort of went, "Oh wait, they've been doing what we all want to be doing with food." Yeah, I think so in in a way, but you know, the Italian have done us for. for so long the Greek and the, the French people have done the same thing but I think what we did at the, in the beginning was Denmark didn't have that voice at that time right. and we just had to put it out there just had to tell we also have a story to tell yeah. we have to be proud of, of, of the land we are living in so we start cooking with the things we had in our backyard the fridge was our, our, our backyard. So we didn't import anything. We didn't take anything from France and, and cook with that. We just used the things we had there. And suddenly, you know, it's a little bit different and people are looking that way because everything that's different is interesting in a way, sometimes. So, Do you feel that every great food movement or change like that needs an ambassador? Mm, you need somebody who who's t- can tell the story. Right. If the story is not told right, then people would not understand it. When um, when when you came to the states and started cooking, um, you know you're talking about things being in your backyard. Obviously, you have to make all these new relationships with your purveyors, with your farms, and obviously, it's, it seems to be tougher here to really find products on the on the level that that seem to be easier to find in a small you know in a smaller country. You're, you're dealing with this huge country in this huge place. Was it hard for you to round up good products? It was very hard, and it was like starting in kindergarten. <laughs> so, you know, everything was new here, and, and, you know, I walked down the street, I didn't know the street names, you know, I didn't have any friends, and it was, it, it was difficult. And you go to Union Square Market, you don't have built up any relationships with anybody. But, you know, everybody's very friendly, and everybody want to give something. And, and when you dig into, into the ground and then just start learning about the terroir here and start get relationship with farmers and purveyors and then you know it's getting easier so now maybe I'm after four years I'm in second or third grade <laughs> so I, you have all the amazing stuff here you know it is, it is it is such a big country yeah and 
the northeast here is, is, is amazing. There's so many things growing here we didn't have in Denmark. So, of course, there was a lot of, of the same things, but you also have different things. So I'm not saying that the Nordic countries have something that's much better than here because we also have things here that's better than, than there. So right. in a way, it's, it's, it's the same. I'm very proud of what, where I am right now, and I, I think what we have in New York is it's just a really good story to tell here because we have such a good terroir here. We just have to use it better, and then we are doing it right now. But one thing to, to remember also in terms of the Nordic cuisine was that it wasn't like everything was there. It wasn't like there were all these amazing artists and producers and farmers right. everywhere. This was built hand in hand with a lot of these chefs and personalities. Like they they started in literally in kindergarten back then as well. You went out into the beach and started picking herbs and started like working with farmers to develop things that you wanted to have in your restaurant. So there was a that was a huge part of the development of the Nordic cuisine as well was to find and, and nurture all of these amazing artists and producers that are there now. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's so great to be like, you know, we're trying to go for this profile or this dish. Can you help grow this for me or help raise this for me? And then they already know that someone's going to buy that from them. Well, that, that's, that's, that's probably the impediment for a lot of people. I think I've, I've run into people a lot that say like, oh, I'd love to grow this, but there's no one that wants it. Or I guess finding the right person to have that conversation with and letting them know that you can support them. That's true. It's yeah. really important. Now, the North Festival started in 2012. Yes, correct. And what made you feel that? I mean, I you know I remember when all these little like, Nordic restaurants started popping up in New York and Brooklyn and things like that. And what gave you the idea to be like, we got it, we got to celebrate this, we got to we got to hold on to this moment? Well, I mean, for me, it was I'd been based in Denmark, kind of in the eye of the storm for a while, and. When you're based there, all of a sudden everything is Nordic and everything's happening and it's exploding. At some point, you begin to think that, well, you know what? Probably people are tired of this now. And then uh, about three years ago, I moved to New York and um, I kind of realized that it was only just beginning here. Um, all these awesome restaurants, like Mass has been here for, for about a year. Uh, Freddie was doing Aska, uh, oh, yeah. or, and, um, and like, oh, and Daniel was about to, to open up Lexus and it was like, it felt like the perfect time to really celebrate this. And it's, and also like Aquavit was being revitalized and, and becoming relevant and interesting again. So yeah. was, shout out to the original suite, Marcus Samuelson. Well, absolutely, and then uh, and and now that uh, that kind of grand old lady of of fine Scandinavian fine dining is doing better than than you know the past fifteen years, I think. Yeah. Now, at Acme, how much how much of are you pulling from Nordic cuisine uh, as inspiration? And how much are you just trying to push it into something new? So, I don't think Acme is a Nordic restaurant at all because you know I'm. I cannot run away from who I am and where I came from, but I'm inspired by this land now. I'm right. inspired by New York. So when I go out in nature here and, and then I pick herbs or whatever I do, I'm inspired by that land. Yeah. So it would be wrong to say that it's a Nordic kitchen. But of course, when I came here, the whole way I was thinking, the philosophy of who I was and what I did was Nordic. But now I don't... You know, they still have the same way of thinking food and inspired by nature. But also now I'm very inspired by people yeah. and other restaurants and Mexican food, Italian food, 
whatever is here in, in this melting pot of, of, of city. Um, and I think Acme have its own voice now. It's more, it's more New Yorker, I think. It's very. I remember when I went during the first month, and I was like, "This is such an awesome New York restaurant." It was, it was hi- like hip, and it had that energy. But then the food was also great. And a lot of times in New York, you do not, f- you, you you get like one or the other. Um, and then I, every time I go back, it's always it's always been crackling and popping and things like that. And it's very inspired by the city around it. Um, you know, with any trend or anything that comes new, like a cuisine thing like that, you're always going to see some people doing very not so flattering uh, interpretations of it. What have you seen that you're, uh, that was a representation of Nordic cuisine that you went, oh, that's just awful, or that's just trying to you know capitalize on something new? Uh, <laughs> can you even say that, Matt? No, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think you don't have to use names. But I, I, I don't think that I've seen that much here in this city. I think most of the people that have opened up anything Nordic here have done a pretty good job. Um, but if you go to if you go to Copenhagen or Stockholm or, or any other capital city in the Nordic region, you're going to see very clearly certain restaurants that open up, and it's like, oh, that dish was at Noma's menu two months ago. Right. Or, so you know, obviously that's going to happen everywhere in the world. But I, I don't think that I've seen that much of that here, no. to be honest. Which is good. I, it's, it's a good. pretty holistic and great trend of just, it's like it's like how what are you gonna rip off fresh food local food yeah, exactly yeah. I, I think what you see as a ripoff more is the is the uh, plating style yeah, yeah. And, and the actual ceramics yeah yeah and you'll ceramics see, is like the same yeah I, I, th- I think you yeah I, I and you often see i think the the derivative moment to me is you see the 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 People seem to be basing the recipe on a photo that they've seen of the food, oh, yeah. but they've never had the food. And that, that's, that's true. You know, that, that's, those, those are the low points. Yeah. When you go like, it's, like, it's kind of amazing in a way. You, know, you can get inspired by, by a photo yeah. and you make some, something out of that. I think that's yeah. amazing. You get inspired by that. I think I'm, I feel very proud of, of, of I was a part of that in, once. Mm-hmm. Um, that I actually people get inspired by this. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick musical break, and we're going to come back and kick it with Daniel for a bit. Let's get funky here on Snacky Tunes. I got something here, it's a chance. Changes as I go in the city lights dance away the stars. I have met all kinds of reasons why the seasons leave their scars. I am thin as cinnamon and tarnished like these metal cars that drive along the rivers of the tar. Proof is the rain, and I fooled every lover into drinking up my pain. I am hanging by the edges of my name, but I am warm, so comfortable forgetting about the storm. I love Minnesota, Michigan, Colorado, too, Atlanta, Montana, Nebraska, and the moon. Must have been a traveler inside of the womb, never 
a place with a living room. You said a house is a tomb. Daniel, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I remember reading about you guys, I don't even remember, years ago, and then I found out that you were coming over for LaFooding, and um, I was like, I'm just going to go hunt these dudes down. <laughs> and it was in the uh, back of uh, Prime Meats, yeah. Ricky Spatino's, and I was like, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, we, I, we went up to you, and then we had this magical night in New York. Yeah. Where we took you, we would, we did all the party tricks, like Mission Chinese food, and then we went to, we snu- we snu- got backstage at Webster, yeah. and then we went to the rooftop of uh, the Standard. Yeah, which um, I'm staying in this weekend and completely f- didn't realize that was um, that was where we went. And oh, yeah. <laughs> someone reminded me when I was coming, or someone told me when I was coming that... Um, yeah, they sometimes give you earplugs at the hotel because there's a club on the roof. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That was when the Bresnitz took me out and got me really, really It was just it was to the brink. And, I, and, then, <laughs> and the next morning, the worst thing about it was, was that we went, uh, we went, after, after we left you guys, whatever time it was, like five or six, we had like two hours sleep. And then we had to go to Governor and rip the heads off 200 lobsters for the dinner that we did that night, oh. uh, which um, still remains to this day, lobster getting. And <laughs> I think the only time I will massacre at least uh, 100 animals in, uh, in, uh, in one, that in was, one that was That was a great dinner. That may have been the best LeFooding dinner that was ever done. It was a real community effort. Yeah, it was, um, it was really great, you know, and uh, everyone from that dinner, I think, you know, gone on to do really great things and uh, yeah there's been so many times when you know you're sort of well you were talking about before do you know do you realise you're part of something and um, I can uh, completely agree with Matt so you just you just do it because that's what you're doing at the time and then it's only kind of with hindsight and retrospect um, that you kind of realise that there was something happening and yeah definitely that dinner was, was one of them yeah now it's funny because British food has had a reputation and been well known Probably all the wrong reasons for a very long time. Yeah, it's funny. Like, even now, like, I went to Tokyo two years ago, um, and I was lucky enough to go with um, a friend of mine who runs Fuji Rock, and um, 
uh, Asagiri Jam, which is um, confusingly one's Fuji Rock isn't at Mount Fuji, but Asagiri Jam is, and uh, went and kind of got a yeah amazing um, tour of Japan and um, trying to explain to people what um, a British restaurant was was quite. Uh, I mean, it's quite a task anyway. But um, everyone was like, "So what is?" British food is it fish and chips I mean like nice. even even people like really cool people who were on it in Tokyo like going out eating dinners like really knowledgeable about food just had absolutely no idea what it was um, so how did uh, I mean Clove Club get started which is your restaurant there and like I mean it was it was uh, an iteration before it became a brick and mortar yeah I think you know we sort of um, we mentioned the, the Franks before about just having a story which people kind of buy into but it's just what happened and yeah. yeah we were we were doing a lot of music we'd moved my business partner and I Johnny we've you know we are uh, yeah we've been best friends since we were four did you just have some memories right there did you just go back for a minute I kind of was struggling to describe our kind of our relationship um, in it's an undying love it's a beautiful thing yeah it is um, so the two of us um, in our civil partnership came down to um which is, you know, since uh, we've had to get divorced because I've actually got a new relationship with a, with a girl Oh, yes, now. congratulations on getting engaged. I'm, I, I'm engaged, yeah. I got engaged at Easter. Thank you very much. Um, Beautiful. But back to the old, old uh, partnership. The, the old ball and chain, right? <laughs> yeah. So we went down to London in uh, 2008, doing lots of music stuff. And we were working in... I was working at St. John Brennan Wine. Uh, Johnny was working at another restaurant, uh, Great Queen Street. Uh, James Lowe was head chef at St. John Brennan Wine. And... Um, well, yeah, we were all just basically hanging out. Uh, supper clubs had kind of happened. Nuno oh, yeah. Mendes had done the loft. Um, so Sam Nutter and Isaac and Kobe, um, all the James Lowe, all these kind of uh, amazing chefs had done the loft. So supper clubs were kind of all the rage in London. And we went to a few, and they were just a bit... They weren't particularly... They were a bit lacklustre, and we, we were just in a discussion. We are like, yeah, we can do something. We can do something like this, so we can, and we can do it much better than anyone else is doing. So... We did a little um, dinner party at our flat, um, sort of three nights. We turned our living room into into a restaurant, and um, it yeah, having you know slaved my guts over um, a, a music career which I you know desperately wanted and a creative project which yeah. people were which people were li- liked and it was kind of going well. It was just um, it was it was quite nice and also uh, slightly frustrating to have one which just went bang. Um, and you went man. Yeah, just it's, like, it's weird. We do music as well. We do music yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like no, 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 no. I mean, like, come, come, listen to this record. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. like, hey, man, this music isn't really going with the food. It's like, yeah, but these are like the demos. We're yeah, trying to... exactly. But you know what? It was a beautiful partnership. We got people to do um, mi- like mixes, basically, which we played during the meal. So, so like, awesome. Yvonne Smag did the first. Um, who else did we have? Uh, Andrew Weatherall did one for us. Wow. Um, uh, Milo, like all sort of people that were kind of in and around um, at the time. So there was a nice music connection. And then we did basically three. Isaac did the first. Uh, sorry, James Lowe did the first. Isaac did the second, who's now my business partner, Clove Club. And then a chef called uh, another, uh, a Swede, and, um, uh, Robin Holmgren, who's now head chef at 15, Jim Miller's restaurant. He did the third. And then over that time, we kind of, we just, yeah, it just went crazy. The first one sold out in three days. Second one sold out in three hours. And the third sold out in three minutes. It was, yeah, it was rule, is that is that the rule of thirds I hear so much about? <laughs> yeah, it was just the way it worked out. So when did you decide? I mean, 
you know, you have sort of lightning in a bottle at that moment. Yeah. Um, and then you're just like, were the offers pouring into open a restaurant or were you just like, we're going to go do something? Because what you, you know, the restaurant for those who haven't been is not, it's not just like, hey, we opened up a small thing. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous spot in a very popular part of town. Yeah. I think we, right from the start, people offered us sort of investment. They could see it was very special. I think uh, the challenge for us, which I thought we did really well, um, just naturally, was to take that and and then put it into something which was permanent. Um, so it wasn't, oh, you're in a restaurant, but it's in someone's living room. It's like, no, this is actually like, you know, bricks and mortar, like you said, yeah. Yeah, a proper restaurant. Um, and then I think we did, the, well, we did the Ten Bells before, which is when I missed Miss yeah. Um And that was kind of a really nice stepping stone because that was three months that turned into six months and that got reviewed by Fame Mashler and people like that. So then that um, that kind of gave us the real sort of serious profile, which which was which was amazing from that point. And then we crowdfunded, so that was kind of that was that's awesome. Yeah, so we raised two hundred and fifty thousand pounds and sold twenty five. That's um, four million American, right? <laughs> I, <I'm not laughs> At the moment, probably. That's that's, that's an incredible thing. That's really an incredible thing. That. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you kind of. A lot of people, I think, were like, how have you done this? They're like, it's some kind of like Machiavellian plan and we're like, you know, entrepreneurial geniuses. But actually, we just did stuff and then we talked to people and they were like, you know what, you guys should do this next. And we're like, okay, okay. let's do that. Um, so someone that we knew had raised a million pounds um, with a very canny um, move. Jonathan Downey, who did the London franchise of Milk and Honey with... Uh, Sasha, R.I.P. R.I.P. Man, um, yeah. So uh, he really helped us do that, and um, and so that was how we did it. Which, but it was it was kind of the first time anyone had done it in London, which uh, which didn't help us, uh, didn't hurt us PR wise. No, and then everyone else tried to do it. It's like, man, no, no one else can sort of hit those numbers. Well, I, um, I was kind of thinking potentially we might get into a discussion about who's doing well in London or what's going on at the moment well I mean in the same way about Nordic cuisine I mean London is having its own culinary movement I mean years ago if you said that we're going to go to London for like a whole eating weekend and be like uh, okay yeah. like that's cool like it sounds sort of greasy but let's go but now it's like there's not enough time to no. hit all the restaurants that you want to hit no it's um, it's really amazing I think um, yeah I mean one of there's some guys called uh, Somsar who are kind of doing not directly a similar thing, but they've, they've done this pop-up that's been really well, and it's like northern Thai food, um, and it's uh, it's amazing. You know, there's no coconut milk, nothing. It's um, it's it's really really great food. But they've just raised five hundred and fifty thousand to do their restaurant. Wow! So there are people doing it. We're not the only ones. That's amazing. I mean, like New York, it's a lot harder to define like what is constitutes as like London food. That isn't just... I mean, if you step away from your like fish and chips, it's such a melting pot of flavors and things like that. Yeah, I think there's... I mean, we talked about game before. I mean, we're so blessed in the UK. Uh, it's, it's just like half the year of just... I mean, you don't really have to do too much with it. You look through the flavor thesaurus and you get your game. And you just like... Yeah. Which is not to kind of... Um, diminish uh, what you know Isaac or some of these amazing chefs do but you know you have a, you do have amazing produce and um, I think there are a lot of there are a lot of openings which people play it a little too safe in a way and it's kind of lemon tart and you know and kind of just kind of classic takes on British uh, British dishes which um, aren't necessarily progressive but you know in a similar way I think 
I'm sure you guys have sort of similar quibbles with uh, food in New York. Like, you know, there's lots of great stuff, but there's a few, like, really amazing things. I mean, amazing, yeah. It, it's tough to find really consistent, amazing. Yeah. Something where you go, that was beyond what even I understand. Yeah. Um, would you consider Clove Club a British restaurant? I think that I would, and I, do, I have described it as that. I think that, um, I mean, everyone has their own interpretation of what a restaurant is and how they would define it. Um, you know, the decor, I think, is is very kind of classic. Um, there's a little, a few contemporary touches, but it, it feels like a British restaurant uh, in that sense. You know, and I think the the cuisine itself is definitely seen through... The British seasons. Um, I think Isaac's more probably the most knowledgeable person I know I've ever met about food. Is uh, just it's scary. It's 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 amazing. And I mean, we got talking about tacos the other day, and he was started talking about the what have happens is that the ferment not the fermentation the alkaline process which goes through to soften the the corn to then make the tortillas and he was like there's only other three processes that goes through or that happens one's with like burying sharks in Finland or whatever and then like that and then like some other thing and he's yeah I mean he's just he's a real encyclopedia of all things through the food yeah now given your music background what's yeah. the soundtrack like at the restaurant um it's it's funny actually because I used to like I used to get really kind of sort of quite het up about it. Be like, okay, I've done the next playlist. Like it was this huge thing, and then Step actually, all night. yeah. And then now I'm just like, oh god, just get the playlist done. Um, I'm kind of like, <laughs> and everyone moans because the same music. But I'm like, there's, I mean, there's two lunch playlists. There's like three lunch playlists which we do, and they're all like in excess of 15 hours. I'm just like, if you're listening to the same music, is because. The person the host stands playing the same playlist again. There's three of them. Just switch it up. Just switch um, it. Just change it. Yeah, there's 45 hours of music, worth of music. You know, you can't be working. None of you are working that hard to get bored of this music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I suppose the soundtrack to the restaurant is. Um, yeah, I've always kind of tried to find a balance of things which aren't necessarily. Um, yeah, songs that you kind of you know. Like Brothers on the Slide is kind of a classic. I mean, that's on loads of kind of funk compilations. Um, and, you know, boom, boom, boom. Everyone kind of knows yeah. that sort of guitar riff. But then you maybe, you kind of like, you wouldn't maybe, you wouldn't know about Simandi or you wouldn't, but you kind of, everyone nods their head and it's kind of, it's got that, a melody that's recognisable but isn't necessarily obvious. We're taking over the, the meal. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of music, you want to play another song? Uh, yeah, I would love to. Um, yeah, I'm just going to throw you that curveball real quick. Well, I um, you also stitched me up because I brought records, but anyway. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I should have told you that we we hung up that that coffin. I mean, yeah. it's now a coffin in all senses of the word. All right. Well, this one's for you, Mr. Chino. I know you like this one. Not nearly decisive enough to get a tattoo. That's why I decided to come to you To not the kind of guy who's really trying to try To mark his body
band so I have a backing band over which I can play a guitar solo but I don't have them right now so I'm going to sing the guitar solo. It goes like this, okay. So I want to get back a little bit uh, to North Festival, and uh, now in its third year. Correct. Uh, so you got the first year out of the way. What was the first year like? Um, stressful. It was pretty stressful. Yes, and it was. We had no idea how to do it or um, how it would work, how pe- if people would like it or not. So just just getting through it was, uh, I think, the main goal. And we were. After a, a couple of months of, of, of sleep, we were ready to do it again. And then we decided after the second time, little, hey, let's do it a third time. Yeah. So <laughs> That's great. I mean, I think the third time is when it really starts to coalesce. Because the first year, you're like, you always got to do it once. There's always going to be a first one. And um, no matter what it is, sometimes you just got to go out and do it. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and now, I mean, we've done millions of, of small and big mistakes over the first couple times and and we're, we're, we're doing mistakes still oh, we're, uh, <laughs> but but uh, we've learned a lot and we've kind of figured out a couple of things that we think that uh, the experience of Nordic food should be like what was um, what was the, the biggest mistake and how early did you realize like oh we, we shouldn't have done it this way um, I think actually last year was Fantastic in many ways, but the biggest mistake we made uh, was that we we were we simply had too many locations going at the same time. Yeah, we had you know four locations going at the same time, and we were essentially the event staff was like ten people, so it was it was impossible to do it. And we realized that when we were standing in the middle of it. Uh, so this year we're actually doing everything in one location, which is great. I think that's great. So for those who've never been, what is the whole ethos? What is the whole vibe? Uh, do you have to be Nordic to be to cook there? <laughs> uh, no, you don't have to. No, um, definitely encouraged. It's definitely encouraged. encouraged. Uh, we will speak about Nordic things, and there will be Swedish and Danish and Finnish and and, and Icelandic spoken at the festival. But uh, no, I mean the ethos is um, come have fun. Um, try some great food. If you've tried it before and you're a super hardcore foodie that have traveled in the Nordic region and been to all the cool restaurants, 
we're going to have something for you. Uh, if you want to take kind of a more of an academic approach to, uh, to it and you want to come listen to some great speakers, we have a whole day of talks with keynotes and panels. If you just want to come hang out and yeah. try some some uh, Danish hot dogs or Swedish crayfish or mm. Finnish street food, there will be something for you as well. So we're and bring the kids by all means. So it's like it's we're really trying to be one of the things that I think is important about um, about Nordic cuisine is like instead of fine dining, it's more of a kind of a fun dining approach, and that's one of the things that we're trying to convey. I think that's great. Now, uh, how do you go about selecting who gets to cook? Is, it, is there are there people who are grandfathered in, but then how do you go out and build upon uh, the new roster? We try to. I mean, uh, math has been part of it uh, every year, and, and like the local chefs that are so important to this movement here in New York, they're obviously uh, always invited back in if they have time and, and energy. Uh, this is, you know, obviously a busy period of the year for for yeah. all the chefs. Um, but we try to bring new chefs in from from the Nordic countries every year. So instead of having repeat visitors, we're trying to find someone new. Maybe do something that's a little unexpected. Not just have you know the, the coolest names or, or or the the youngest names or the oldest names, but just try to bring some a different type of uh, chef in every time. Some that might come from a very traditional fine dining type restaurant. Some that might come from just you know the street food movements. Um, so it's. Um, we we don't really have a, a set of rules for who we bring in. It's just um, we we try to bring new things in. And and the other thing is also um, there are a couple of names that are like really strong, big international yeah. names. But then they have all that attention already. They, right. they don't need more of that. So we're trying to bring in people who don't maybe do not have all that attention. Who are the new stars of the Nordic cuisine? And I mean, I know obviously. I'll rank them because I, I, no one cares about what I say. But obviously, you know, Copenhagen, Denmark, sort of sitting at the most popular, then sort of Sweden, but then you have Iceland and Finland and things like that, you know, with the the kids coming up from behind, as they say, like, what's going on? And, you know, are there new faces in Finnish cuisine? Are there new faces in Icelandic cuisine that you need to be watching out for? Well, I think in terms of Finnish cuisine is, is very interesting because it's... Uh, it's kind of probably been the one that has been uh, getting the least attention uh, of all the Nordic countries. And, well, and how does it differ compared to, let's say, uh, Danish cuisine? Well, I mean, what, what everyone has to understand is that the Nordic region is, although it's very small in population, it's pretty big in terms of geography. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Sweden itself is, you know, Stockholm is as far from the very north of Sweden as it is from Rome. So, yeah. um, so there are like four climate zones just in Sweden. So the the I would say that the uh, the differences are more regional than national. Obviously, there are certain like grandma type dishes in each country that would be kind of more national. But it's it seems to be, or at least to me, that it's very regional. You you're gonna see there's a difference between the Danish East Coast and the Danish West Coast in in the way they yeah. cook and and so. Um, I think that's interesting, but but Finland obviously being interesting from the perspective that it it has traditionally over the over the centuries maybe looked more towards the east than towards the west because it's been you know Russia's had a huge influence mm. on on Finland and Finnish cuisine and just Finnish culture in general all the time, uh, so they have 
you know, a lot of pierogies and, and, and types of food in their traditional cooking that comes from, from that influence, whereas uh, the rest of, of Scandinavia or the Nordic region maybe looks more towards the south for yeah. inspiration and, and actually also towards Britain um, and, and, and the U.S., obviously. So. So who are the chefs that are coming? Who's who's the, the fresh faces, and uh, from what, which part of the Nordic scene? Well, so from Stockholm we have uh, Frederick Johnson and Peter Anderson coming mm. from Volt, yeah, uh, which I think is a, a really interesting restaurant. Uh, they've been at it for for a couple of years, and they just got a Michelin star uh, this year. Really interesting young uh, young guys with a very very strong ethos and and, and ha- very kind of passionate about what they do. Um, we have um, Trine. Vigufsson, I'm not, my Icelandic is not perfect, but <laughs> Frein Vigufsson. Is, is anybody? I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> um, he is, he works at the um, uh, Blue Lagoon, which is you know, obviously the biggest tourism attraction in uh, in Iceland, but they also have a very, very ambitious restaurant uh, called Lava that he is uh, heading up. I think that's really interesting. Um, we have Richard McCormick, who is kind of the, the, the face of street food, of all things, in, in Finland, which is, uh, he's coming over and actually just doing street food for uh, our Finland day. Um, and uh, street food is blowing up as a, as a, as a topic all across the Nordic region, but eating in the streets have always been a very, very big part of yeah. even traditional cuisine. Eating so and that's, drinking. Eating, eating and drinking. Yeah, exactly. Or drinking first and then eating in the streets. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. So... Um, I think that's um, we have Kari Ahinen who comes from from Helsinki as well, um, more you know coming from more from the, like the classical background, but it's also interesting to bring in that kind of style into this. So I think there is uh, there's a lot of interesting things, and then obviously we have our, our great local chefs that have been kind of the, the standard bearers for Nordic cuisine here in the city, um, which obviously Mats is hugely important. Awesome. Tickets still available? Tickets are still available for, I wouldn't say all of the events, but if you go to nordicfoodfestival.org, you're going to see all the events. And even if you don't want to buy a ticket for an event, there are we have our marketplace. Uh, it's on the corner of Charles and Washington in the West Village. Nice. Uh, it's open every day from 10, 10 or from 12 noon until 10 p.m. And you can just come hang out. You don't have to pay an entrance fee. Um if you want to have a beer, you buy a beer. If you want to have some crayfish, you buy that. But you can just come hang out and, and have fun. So you don't have to buy tickets for, for the what experience. Are, what are the dates? Good question. We start on uh, the 23rd of September, and we go until the 28th. So it's... Uh, That's nice. Yeah. It's a nice stretch. It is, yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, let's let's play another song. We'll come back, talk a little bit about the uh, this growing international brotherhood of culinary friends and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hello everybody, won't you take a seat and listen close Today is a story about a young man that you seem to know Born in Omaha, then later his mom moved to the West Coast Inglewood to be exact, and that was a shocking fact, folks Neighborhood pyrus will roll up and cruise and try to jack him He would try to make them laugh and pop like do a backspin Sometimes they would stall him out, and other times he would be scrapping This made him into a man to never back down when attacking Now... Excuse me, can I be myself and spit it like no one else? I think I got a story to sell. Well, baby, you better make room. Baby, you better make room. 
Can I, can I break it down? Can I break it down? Can I, can I break it down? Can I break it down? Can I, can I break it down? Can I break it down? Okay, the little boy from Omaha grew tall. Didn't have brains to do not at all. Didn't have game, didn't know how to ball. But he heard the melody and that was a call. Didn't have a beat machine, had no gear. How could he write the songs, make them hear? Moves everything that was a lockdown here. Pause, mix it for the rest of the year. Now he had beats, now he had rhymes. But he wasn't good yet, took some time. Went to the good life, open mic one night and saw that he wasn't very good at all. But he never stopped. One night he blew it up, I'm not. Ever since then the kid never stopped. Still trying to make him laugh, just keep dying. Excuse me, can I be myself and spit it like no one else? I think I got a story to sell. Well, baby, you better make room. 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 Baby, you better. Can I break it down? Can I, can I break it down? Can I break it down? Can I, can I break it down? Can I break it down? Can I, can I break it down? Can I break it down? Okay. Excuse me, can I be myself and spit it like no one else? I think I got a story to sell. Well, baby, you better make room. 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 Baby, you better. Yay! So I think one of the things that I've loved about living in New York and also being having the honor of like traipsing across the pond and things like that is seeing how interconnected everything is becoming now with food. I mean, you were talking about during the break about um, how the uh, British government is now having a partnership with the Mexican government and sending chefs back and forth. And you're starting to see that more and more, like real culinary ambassadors. And it's, yeah... Well, I think, you know, there's, in a way, there's kind of, you know, we talked about it before, um, Mats and Justin talking about the, you know, people um, doing a photo of a, of, you know, or people creating a dish off the, off an Instagram photo of something from, you know, something Nordic. And I think, in a way, the internet's, you know, been guilty of homogenizing things very, quickly because everyone finds out everything immediately but then the flip side of that is that you get to meet everybody and I think definitely I've um, I've seen it um, you know I mean even before we had our restaurant I knew you guys yeah. uh, and you know that's you know you find out about Young Turks because of this and you know we kind of met through music and food and um, yeah I think that's 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 an amazing thing, and I think that that can. There's only positive things that come from that, from these different kind of collaborations and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I get that there's the stealing and appropriation of things, and, yeah. but I try and look at it as being like, wow, I was inspired by this dish that I would have never even seen or known about, or even know how to get in touch with you. It used to be like impossible to reach out to somebody and be like, hey, do you want to get something going? It's got a very like, I don't know, even more today, it's got more like, let's start a band. 
type yeah. of mentality. Well, I, I think another thing that you see that I certainly didn't see when I was in my 20s is you see young people saving their disposable income to travel and eat. Yeah. yeah. When I was 23, I just ate pizza. Yeah. And, like, wine was something that was I you know, was way out of my league. We just yeah. drank beer and, and, like, bought records. Yeah. And I, and I do think that there's a, a, like, if you look around at Roberta's or whatever, I mean, there is a young, under 30 or, you know, even early 30s world of people that are like, we're going to go to London, we're going to hit these places, we're yeah. going to do that. And that didn't exist 20 years ago. No. Young people didn't do that. And I, I think that that's really interesting with the festivals, like what, what, what you guys are doing or things like the fooding, things like that. Like, th- there there's become this, like, audience that's not just interested in, in the eating, but they're interested in the philosophy. They want to know where things come from. They want to have a personal relationship with the chefs. They want to be able to, like, get the dish handed to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a different world. And also, I think th- this wonderful world of technology has really been one of the facilitators behind the explosion of Nordic cuisine because it was created by a group of individuals uh, that were chefs and and also entrepreneurs but it was it was not a government initiative it, it came from people who really believed in an idea and then they were able to connect with other people that had kind of roughly the same ideas around the con- uh, around the country and then around the world which is like mad food camp in Copenhagen mm-hmm. when that happened it was just a bunch of like the most awesome chefs in the world came together um, at the initiative of a couple of individuals, which was amazing. And it was not a, a big sponsored event or anything like that. So I think, yeah, yeah it but it, it, it feels big when if let's say you follow chefs on Twitter, or Instagram, and then all of a sudden the 30 or 40 chefs or food people you follow are all posting about the same thing. And you're just like, <laughs> well, how do, where's my invite? Where's my invite? Um, well, listen, I want to make sure that we have enough time for one more song and for you guys just to shout out. Um, why don't we just go around the room? Four Horsemen. How do people find out about it? How, how do people find out about it? Yeah, I mean... Well, we're on Grand Street in Williamsburg. You can come by. That's cool. Our website's Four Horsemen BK. That's cool. Yeah, fourhorsemenbk.com. You can make a reservation, look at the menu, check out the wine list. And uh, come see us. What's your favorite wine in there right now? Dude, I hate that question. <laughs> the red one. I like the red wine. That's oh, pretty I'm good. So, oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> um, I like I like listen. I, I like any it. wine that isn't allocated right now. I'm like I'm 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 having a backlash against sommelier selected Instagram wines. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I want people to drink other stuff. There's plenty of great wine out there, and I think like we've got to get over the the fact that I'm fine. Let me refer- can I rephrase my question. What are you drinking right now? What am I drinking right now? Last night I had a really awesome bottle of a wine called red is dead um <laughs> oh, so the red wine yeah it was, red a great, wine. it was a great little wine from the south southwest of france that shouldn't have been good and it was just like in the most beautiful little spot and it was a drink with friends and it was an awesome moment and it was like it's like a 16 dollar bottle of wine that's the best it was great acme so we are launching a, a new fall menu right now the whole menu is just changed um yeah the whole season is just starting again after labor day so we were pretty packed there. <laughs> Nine Great Jones Street in Manhattan, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's it's so much fun. I mean, it's still fresh after all these years. It's fun. You know, it's a, it's a good place to go with, with friends and family and just sit and sharing all the food. The or a date. Thing. You look or like a date, yeah. yeah. On a date, of course. That's know. a good way to get get some action. Post. <laughs> it's a fun place, yeah. Yeah. North? Um, either go to nordicfoodfestival.org, uh, buy tickets for some of the dinners, or uh, just come by corner of uh, Washington and um, Charles between the 23rd and the 28th. Awesome. Clove Club? Um, Clove Club, yeah. We, we're we into game season now, so 
if you're in London um, and you fancy a grouse, come and see us. Uh, it's it's delicious. They're kind oh, of they're not too high as we say at the moment, so they're not too funky. But um, yeah, if you want to have some really really funky game, then uh, maybe leave it till like end of the month, October. All right. Speaking of funky game, you want to take us out with one more track? Yeah. Uh, seeing as we are in New York City, I will play uh, something from New York City. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.